0: Hey everybody, welcome to Surface Level, creating a community where Black and queer folks are fearless in thought and curious at heart. I'm one of your hosts, Tony, and today, Jordan, Damon, and I are closing out Season 5 by answering questions directly from you, our Surface Level Insiders. This is Beyond the Surface Level 5. All right now, ladies, <laughs> we made it fifth time around the sun. Show. We did. This is exciting. Uh, who would have thunk it, you know? So it was tumultuous behind <laughs> the scenes, honey. Okay. Oh, the, season, the season was It was getting made as Listen. It, it, we got here. We've come a long way from your bedroom apartment in Harlem. Ooh. So absolutely,
1: I, I've come a long way. Don't even live there anymore. I
0: know, which is you know, it's bittersweet. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I wish I miss you in Harlem. Um, <laughs> however, I do love that I have a chateau to visit in Jersey she's, City. She's quite the chateau. <laughs> sh- <toe. laughs> <laughs> all right. So with each season, like as you all know, we're looking for ways to expand our impact on communities of queer folks, and so you've heard us discuss the Ali Forney Center all season long and their commitment to protecting LGBTQIA youths from homelessness and empowering them to, to live independently. So we're really excited to have an Ali Forney Center alum and the current strategic giving manager join us to speak directly to their experience and the work that the Ali Forney Center continues to do. So today we're welcoming Maddox Gorilla and Steve Cruz to our Surface Level family. Hello.
2: Hey y'all, we're hey, doing good. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's <laughs> up? I'm excited to
0: talk to y'all. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so I want to start with this, and I don't know how familiar both the both of you are with our show, but we start by asking our guests what they're curious about, because we think that people should be curious about the world around us. And so, Maddox, how about we start with you? What
2: are you curious about? Wow. I love that. (laughs) I love that y'all. Start with that. What (laughs) am I currently curious about? Yeah. So currently I've I've been very, very curious about in in my daily life, kind of acknowledging and seeing how whenever we we choose to walk in in a calling, like the effects it has in ourselves, in our life, but also the world. So I've just been curious about continuing to stay in that sort of wavelength and looking at the world through that lens to see what comes out of it. What, what will continue to come out and just believing in that and like sitting with, with those like imagining and dreaming and sitting with that, um, and being okay with it. Cause I think a lot of times we're not, we're we're told the opposite of it. So like just being as outrageous as as possible and believing in it. Did you say
0: being, (laughs) being as outrageous as possible? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's fun. Um, Steve, I I love that answer, that is so fun. Uh, Steve, what about you? What are you curious about? Uh,
3: So my answer is a little bit more uh, personal and fun and light. I um, recently got into P-Valley, and so discovering (laughs) um, like Katori Hall and how it started off as a play this season. So I kind of like dove into P-Valley just over the past two weeks.
0: Love that, we are huge fans of (laughs) P-Valley. Um, We actually had Nico Anand, who plays Uncle Clifford, on our show earlier this season. So that was exciting for us. If you haven't watched it, please go back. I think you'll get your life. (laughs) Um, So, Maddox, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Like, very quickly, in a nutshell, give us a little bit about your background and the impact that the Ali Forney Center has played on your experience living in New York.
2: Yeah, so um, I'll keep it short. Uh, I encountered the Ali Forney Center around six years ago i'm, I'm the map might be wrong but it was around 2016 and i encountered it because i saw i was doing this internship at the MoMA museum and i encountered this other young person and at the time i was experiencing housing instability and i i saw this the way this young person talked about it was like oh like this is a place that feels like family like they're going to help you get a job, things like that. And simultaneously I had dropped out of school at that time too. So I felt like I needed support and I needed a place to help me. And it felt like that was the right place. So I went there and I, I was very intentional going, like I had like a mission. I was like, okay, I like, I need help and I need support. And I know like folks are here to do that. Um, so I messaged my case manager telling them that I was very interested in like advocacy and like, I'm ready to work and I'm ready to do things and the impact has been huge, right? Because not only was I being provided resources and things to let me get ahead in life, but I've also been able to impact the world, which is what I've always wanted to really do. So the Alifornia Center kind of gave me like a platform that I would be able to do that. And it's been amazing because not only have I been able to impact my own personal world, but I've also been able to impact the world of other homeless youth and just generally the creating infrastructure for homeless youth in New York City that, when i first started like when i was at the Alifone Center, there wasn't so coming through the doors supported me not only with resources but also being able to hmm. really like create change in the infrastructure in new york city for homeless youth
0: wow uh thank you for sharing that and just being super vulnerable um with your story that is that's very powerful and we 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 definitely believe that um Every time someone shares their experience that someone, you don't know who it is, is going to listen and hear something and and they're going to be encouraged and empowered uh, to make a change in their life. So I love I love that Um, you're just so open and building on that, there's a level of shame and stigma attached to seeking help. Um, which is exactly what you did, and and people have you know that that stigma, or that shame that's attached to getting help in regards to the basic necessities um, and needs such as housing. And so, what can you share about the environment that at Ali, at the Alley Forney Center sites, and what they're doing to create empowering spaces for queer youth?
2: Yeah, I love that question because it. I always tell people like a lot of times we have to acknowledge that there's institutional trauma, right? Because a lot of these, like a lot of us that have gone through homelessness now have also dealt with different institutions at like earlier parts of our lives. And like, now you're going back to these places. So that's why it's so important to really have like humane models and structures to really com- combat the institutional trauma. A lot of times, like we have with wanting to receive support. And I think the Alifone Center is special in that the ways that the shelter design and the program model and everything is is very different it's very like it has a humane touch on it you know what I mean like the ways that the housing is designed mm-hmm. you're living in an actual house in an apartment I mean I was living in a um no it wasn't a brownstone <laughs> um but it was like <laughs> it, was, it was I mean it would have been there, we do have brownstones but yeah. um it was this um apartment like complex that only had like three floors right and I was living in a specific trans inclusive housing and you know what I mean like that's a different environment like I had my own room I only shared with another person I had my own closet like you know that it was in the house everything was different versus when I've been in other shelters that's more mm-hmm. institutional that look like a jail you know what I mean like all of that does something to your psyche when you're treated like a um a thriving human versus when you're just treated like you're not that and you know, that really makes you feel empowered to make more impactful choices in your life. And that's why I always wish more people kind of replicated, especially in the homelessness world, mm-hmm. that model of like being more humane, using actual houses or how like versus this big institutional shelter that's like a jail.
0: Yeah, I, I I love kind of what you just said there, because a lot of people don't get to hear like this side from someone who's experienced it to just know that it's not always what you you know people think the worst when they think of getting help or going to a foundation or something like that to to seek out the needs you know the basic necessities that they need in life and so I'm glad that you're just able to shed some light on something that a lot of people just don't know about and and you know just think the worst about uh so I want to switch over to you Steve and I want to I would like you to share with us some of the past Ali Forney Center initiatives that you're most proud of.
3: And that's a great question. And there are a bunch of different initiatives. Um, we just celebrated our 20th year of service um, this June. So thinking about our beginnings in response to the murder of Ali Forney five years after his murder, we opened up six cots in the basement of a church. Today, we are serving over 2,000 young people, serving over 378,000 meals with 164 beds and resting pods across New York City. Um, I think that's a huge accomplishment. I think it's a huge testament to our community coming together in response um, to a crisis that our young people are experiencing, not just in the Tri-State area. We have young people from all over the country, and when we hear legislation in Florida and Texas, we know that's going to impact young people coming to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got uh, went through a pandemic, and so AFC's response to keeping our young people safe when they're um, in our housing sites, keeping our staff safe, um, I think is something to be really proud of. Um, monkeypox is another thing that we're navigating, and how are we educating our residents, how are we connecting them to the resources that our city is making um, available scarcely, but how can we facilitate that connection for our young people? Um, and so I think in uh, the mix of uh, response to young people who are experiencing homelessness because of their LGBTQ identity, there's certainly uh, a lot being thrown at us, our community, our organization, and then our ability to sort of navigate those challenges I think are all things to to celebrate and then continue to push forward for.
0: Yeah, I I can't even imagine what, what you know, how life is already hard, right? Mm. And when you think about the pandemic and you're thinking about COVID and you think about monkeypox now and just on on top of everything else, uh it just amplifies what's the what's already going wrong. And you know, we really think uh, you for your work and for what you're doing, and really making a, a difference in people's lives. And I'm just I'm just really happy that we were able to have you here today with us to just share um, a little bit of this. Because again, I can't I can't say it enough that people don't get to hear these stories. Um, so, Steve, can you answer me one more question? I want to ask about what is coming up with the Ali, Ali Forney um, Center. And how can people find out more information?
3: So two things that I'm really excited to share um, with everyone. One, um, AFC currently owns one building. We rent all of the other apartments across New York City. Our B Arthur residents um, B Arthur bequeathed money and allowed us to have that seed money to to purchase a building. We're currently in the process of wrapping up a capital campaign to acquire a second building specifically for our trans and gender non-binary clients. Um, It would be a permanent home for up to 20 young people any given time. And so as folks um, are feeling generous and want to donate to us, I would certainly recommend the Welcome Home Campaign as a beautiful way to make a gift that will have a permanent impact on the organization, a home um, that will be there for our young people. Um, and help the organization build equity and stability. Um, secondly, uh, we are launching an inaugural dance a thon. Uh, so Fun. if you are
0: you <laughs> love to dance.
3: You're fantastic, fantastic. Um, the dance a thon is focusing on our meals program. Uh, so we know that at the, the core, um, anyone needs a stable bed at night that they can rest. Um, and food to nourish their body before that they can work on job training, finding a uh, job, mental health. Um, so a really, really basic um, piece of the of the services that AFC provides. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned that we served over 378,000 meals. One meal is about $2.50. It's just under a million dollars for AFC to be able to feed our young people throughout the year um so on our website under events there's a we are family dance that's starting um if folks want to start a team and get their friends to join or join as an individual mm-hmm. we're asking folks to raise a thousand dollars a thousand people and reach that one million dollar mark so that we're able to provide the meals that our young people need um and so that's two I think um fun uh, and impactful ways to get connected to Ali Forney Center. Mm-hmm. Um, our website is aliforneycenter.org.
0: Cool. Um, the Dance Athon <laughs> <laughs> sounds a lot of fun. We love a party with a purpose now. Uh, and so to wrap up here, I want to give um, you both, Steve, for you, uh, I want you to share like the social, you know, social media is a big way in how youth um, find out information. And so if you could share the maybe Instagram handle, or however you can find uh, Ali Forney Center on across social media. And for you Maddox, if you're willing, if you wanna share your, your personal social, that would be great. I know there's probably folks that would wanna reach out and maybe talk to you, or you know they might be going through what you've experienced and you could be just a resource for someone. So please share that information if you're willing.
3: Uh, so the Ali Forney Center is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Ali Forney Center, A-L-I-F-O-R-N-E-Y Center. And Maddox?
2: So I, unfortunately, not on social media yet, <laughs> but maybe by the time this is out, I will be, <laughs> maybe, you know, like Maddox Gorilla. Um, but just, you know what I mean? Like, I I didn't mention this, but I have to mention it, because it's a big thing, too, and, and Ali Forney Center is part of it, too. So. Um, I, the, together with the Ali Forney Center and other organizations, we were able to develop a direct cash transfer program too. So giving young people unconditional cash for two years as a new program and that to me has been like one of the biggest things that like literally if it wasn't for Ali Forney Center going through these doors, I wouldn't have been able to do because I was at a meeting one day while I was experiencing homelessness and I just said, you know what, I need a cash as an intervention. And now, not only are we in new york but we're scaling it up to other communities across the united states that are young people experiencing homelessness so you know what i mean that that's huge and if people want to connect and hear more on that too like feel free to reach out to me google my name and and find my email there and we'll you know we'll talk um but yeah also other folks that want to be connected with resources too like feel free to find me and connect with me as well in that aspect
0: cool all right. Well, thank you both. We really appreciate you for taking the time out to just sit with us and share this information. It really means a lot. And I'm sure it's going to touch a lot of people who listen to our show. So we really appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Thank you. All. Thank you. all.
1: All right. No, I think I'm really happy that we had them come on <laughs> listen to one, the story of Maddox and also just the amazing work that they that Steve and the team is doing at Ali Forney. Yeah. Um, so, excited to partner this season and we are really excited to see where that all evolves um and from there we're gonna get into the mess that surface level and you all are used to i'm excited
0: for the mess today
1: we're
4: gonna who's messy i don't know who's messy
1: (laughs) (laughs) so we're gonna start with a game okay um it's funny i was looking back at our season four beyond the surface level and for whatever reason we never do superlatives Oh, So we're going to bring them back. It's like the end
0: of the year. At the end of the year, we do superlatives. A year in review. A year in
1: review. And they're (laughs) going to be themed off of the episodes that we've done this
0: season. Wow, that's exciting. So
1: this will be a little fun. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start here with an episode we did about monkeypox and health care within our community. Mm -hmm. So most likely to read the entire CDC website. (laughs) Ignore what they read and end up catching the pox or the COVID.
0: Bitch, don't I, is come there for is me. there a is there a countdown because I, I want not. to say Jordan, but I like is there Do a not. countdown? I say Jordan Do not. This
1: is the face of Monkey Pox. <laughs> Do not come for me.
4: Listen, we can all get COVID. Um, it's very real. Make sure that you're vaccinated. That's why I'm still here and bright eyed and <laughs> bushy tailed um, with COVID. Uh, is she bushy um,
0: tailed or should she shaved? She's bushy-tailed, <laughs> as far so, as I know.
4: You know, I'm praying for you all at the party that you're going to after this recording session. <laughs> Listen, so hopefully bo. you don't have COVID next week.
0: I'll pray for yeah.
1: you with the one you went to last week. Just like you said, vax <laughs> I'm vaxxed <laughs> and waxed. I'm
0: vaxxed and waxed. You are not bushy-tailed. Same. Not bushy-tailed. Not tonight.
1: I'll oh, join you not bushy-tailed this time. <laughs> all right. So next, we did a fun little peek into our time in Berlin. So most likely... To put themselves in the grave going buck wild abroad
0: oh my god i'm gonna say me
1: <laughs> absolutely it was everybody's absolutely tony
0: <laughs> yeah i'm gonna put myself i don't even know how it happened i'm gonna put myself and never, in the grave. we never
1: know and then like to- like of our friends tony typically doesn't get terribly torn down and then whenever we go on a trip
4: <laughs> that last <laughs> night
0: the first one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not usually terribly. I'm usually like with the shits and alive throughout the whole moment. But every now and again, the Mama got to have a life too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so let's keep it keep it going. So we had an episode called Bromance about mm-hmm. non sexual, uh, intimate relationships between men. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the most likely to have multiple friends that they've transitioned from bromance to homance.
0: Demon. Demon. <laughs> yeah
1: Listen, you can get fucked over here. She's a whole man <laughs> She's a whole man Alright, uh, so we did an episode called Death Becomes Her. Very fun talking about how we want to be remembered in life. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. most likely, and this is two parts, to have the most fun celebration of life uh, experience and the most dirge celebration.
0: Um... I'm, um, I'm going to vote myself for the most fun I think Tony I'll think i say Tony fun. for the most fun <laughs> and I don't know who
4: would be the most dirge I don't think that exists on the show
0: yeah I don't know either like dirge is not I mean there, it'll be different but not dirge like okay. dirge is like Adam's family it's giving him you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: was not prepared for that <laughs> <laughs> the either child almost choked on my wine alright uh, so next we did uh, Parents Just Don't Understand, speaking to the amazing Dr. Lulu about her experience as a queer person, parenting a queer child. Yeah. Um, Most likely to have some badass kids.
0: I'm going to say um, that Jordan. It has to be Jordan. I'm not having no fucking kids. <laughs> I'm going to say
4: Jordan just because. Well, I'm the only one going to have kids.
0: So no, totally yeah, they'll kid. be the best and the worst. I might, I may, you never know, but I just, Tony I, just know. I just, think that like Jordan's kids, I don't Jordan, know.
1: Jordan likes to be able to control things, and kids are the least, the thing you can control the least. So, like, it's no, always my the kids
4: are going to be. My, t- my kids are going to be great.
1: And, and we we she on this thing. We're going to them, we gonna be playing it back because mm-hmm. we're going to be at court.
0: He said, You'll see. DeMond said, No, we won't because <laughs> <No, laughs> kids. kids ain't coming around me. Ooh, definitely not
1: coming. <laughs> I was just talking about this. There's too much glass and too many open flames in my house to have kids there. Right? That's terrible. Well, that's mm-hmm. why you
4: don't bring bad kids to your house. Like
1: yours. That's why they're not welcome. <laughs> no, my
4: kids will be very well behaved and very worldly. They so. will be
1: worldly. hooligans. Hooligans. All right. To
0: spite you.
4: <laughs>
1: so a couple more. We hit Cocoa Storm. This is, first of all, it feels like 35 years ago. Wow. Um, about right. The, the I forgot that it was this season until I looked yeah, at we definitely talked Spotify about porn. today and I was just like, oh, we did talk about this. Yeah, black
0: and porn. Black and porn. So black and porn.
1: We've currently been experiencing the Great Resignation as people try not to let work break their souls. Mm-hmm. Who is the most likely to quit corporate and join the adult entertainment industry?
0: Demon.
1: I agree. Listen, I have been following Raheem in his journey through Brazil in the recent weeks, and I'm not so cute. They are having way more fun than any of the three of
0: us. I mean, you said they got to be having more fun, right? Like, they like, got
1: to be having more fun. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Verse Raheem is having a great time.
0: Verse Raheem. All right. <laughs> that part. We, we love
1: that. All right. And then finally, keeping on the theme of mother, the most likely, and this is a three part, mm. to refer to themselves as cozy in their skin, mm. an alien superstar, mm. or that girl.
0: Mm. <laughs> who oh i oh three three who, distinct who? things came yeah. to mind
1: who, who's each one
0: so i was gonna i would say cozy in their skin would be me and i was gonna say alien superstar would be Damon. and i was gonna say that girl would be jordan I was but gonna
4: say this I, I, like... I have no tra- i have no changes to <laughs> me <make> neither <laughs> <laughs> i immediately was just like Mm, 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 yeah okay yeah this all tracks that's where we, it, this, it all tracks that's okay. where it falls <laughs> yeah
1: and that's how you know the girls
0: right <laughs> we are actual friends yeah you know. i think that was a one of the questions like are y'all real friends someone asked me and i was like yeah we're actually like we've known each other over a decade and so no we did a podcast casting call <laughs> Didn't do that. and then we
4: did brunch and then there were we were just right. like and okay, it was let's great do a show that would be gross <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: but i think the people want us to talk about something so jordan Take it away, Jay. Okay.
4: Yes. So listeners have been submitting their questions on Instagram, on our website, um, in our DMs, unsolicited.
3: We took (laughs) a bunch of questions.
4: We filtered out some of the crazy ones. um, And we're going to start here with Mm -hmm. Mother again. So um, what do we think about the Renaissance album and the cultural significance that Beyonce Um, had with dedicating this album to a queer family member
0: tony uncle johnny made my dress (laughs) and and cheap spandex she looks a mess (laughs) (laughs) yes like yes yes yeah first of all this is probably going to be and we don't know because there's still act two and three but like this is probably going to be one of the classic albums of her catalog and the fact that it's dedicated to you know a queer family member her her, her you know jay and the and the children but also the children us mm-hmm. i am just it everyone feel, i feel like the it really truly is a renaissance <laughs> like i feel it we can't get enough of the album it never gets old it's, it's like such crack. a it's such an interesting thing that she took however many years two or three years to make this album and for Six. it to be Something. <laughs> how, wait, how long? The
1: last time P. she put out an album. No, something. but like she, oh, she worked, worked. She actually like worked on the album. For, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And and I'm just like to put out a a body of work that we can't get enough of. That is just in rotation. Like I don't know what, uh, that I'll ever be tired of this. It's giving me. I don't want to call it her thriller, but I'm gonna call it her thriller. Mm. Like. It, that's the vibe that I get. I feel so good. You know those, there's like Stevie Wonder, Michael Jack, like some music that you hear that just makes you feel good and it makes, it, like the body starts rolling and moving and you can't control it. That's what this album does. Uh.
1: Everything makes your body start rolling and twerking and <laughs> shaking and everything. Okay. <laughs> um, she's an icon. She's an icon. She's a legend. She's a legend. She, I mean, she is the moment. She Come on moment. now. <laughs> um, You know what What I I appreciate um, about the work that she's done? If you're going to tap into a culture that you necessarily don't belong to or not a part of, make sure to bring people along with you. And I think that is the exceptional thing she's done through this work, bringing black trans people, uh, black queer people, black uh, DJs, producers, uh, writers, et cetera, et cetera, that are part of dance music, house music, so on and I think that that level and attention to detail, uh, that ability to want to credit and give give due and pay people mm-hmm. like flat out um, is, is, is beautiful and it's something that makes people in those spaces welcome them. I think we, we often go through this conversation around like, what's appropriation versus what is appreciation? yeah and I think that this is the ultimate um, um, love letter love letter and, and, and expression of an appreciation of a culture um, and wanting to be a part of it and play in it in a way that it feels authentic and brings along the people that is it that created it.
0: Woo, say that well, Say that yeah. <laughs> Jordan. yeah,
4: I think that this this album was like a pleasant surprise for me. I was not expecting beyonce to have a full conceptual album. That, mm. in my opinion, felt it was dedicated to the queer community. Mm-hmm. Like, we all love Beyonce. The girls live for Beyonce. You know, we've seen moments in her past career where, it's, like, Freakum Dress, the video, she had Jante dancing in the background. Um, she's brought out male background dancers to perform single ladies with her live. But to see a full conceptual body of work committed to the community and dedicated to the community. It was a surprise that I was not expecting. I wasn't expecting it to be house. I wasn't expecting it to be queer. I wasn't expected to have so many different like samples that I just like knew and loved growing up, like the Miss Honey sample, like that sent me because that's (laughs) so (laughs) niche. That's so niche. Like you Mm -hmm. really have to be like in the culture and ingrained in the culture to even understand what that is, and what and the virality of that when YouTube was like five years All old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, no, it's, it's it's really, it's really nice. And I, I, I'm, I want to take myself out of this renaissance moment because I feel like I'm clouded right now, but I don't feel like I've listened <laughs> to a Beyonce album this many times every no, day.
1: No, no. Maybe
4: it did happen for Lemonade, but I, I'm just not thinking about it because it was years ago. But like, I feel like it's, different this time yeah i, but I you know, literally it's it's, this some, is, it's
0: crack in the, the you, album. you wake up with the music <laughs> you wake up and be like this you wake, a wake, up. You wake <laughs> up with the music in your head and that you just like you have a different song that's playing when you get up and it's just running back running back in your head mm-hmm. every time you wake up and it's just it's fucking insane and the gag is mother did all this and there's still no videos <laughs>
1: <laughs> right we had she a whole sleepover like, you know and what? thinking thinking we'd be at home watching videos. Nope, mm.
4: <laughs> nope, no, nope. She was like, "Take these sounds, let you know, let Renaissance live in your mind, but, and I mean, you then I'll give you Ren- a free."
1: You know why? Another reason why I do think we love the the album so much is it when she says when you do some work and you're just like, "I really want people to appreciate the sound. I want people to yeah. experience something audibly." it's music. I don't want them to be distracted by what I. They know me to do visually, like and when it stands up that well. I mean, child,
0: the album has stood the test of time, in my opinion.
1: I listened to the full thing multiple times every day for what, a month now.
0: Times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, front so, to back. So, wait, wait, wait. I, I do want to ask. Oh my goodness, and favorite song,
1: Alien Super of
0: today, of today
1: alien superstar for I mean, me period for the album
0: okay i mean this favorite this favorite song that. for today I, I mean okay so i will i would just say for me heated is that he girl is, for heated me is like
1: a newer thing for me oh. it
0: wasn't my one of my standout
1: starting up but now it's top five well Jeez.
4: that's why you have to keep asking people what's your favorite of today because i feel what's like your favorite of today so much no 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 my favorite know, of today is virgo's groove okay
1: now that was my favorite but when we like, first started and she, a that day. You, know, my first, bitch, my you remember? She was like, this, "I." Was I,
4: I she was like, "I skipped
1: it. Th- I just want to dance." You remember? you yeah, I yeah, remember. I tried tell I was listening <laughs> to Thick when, when the first I like I was thick. thick. I love Thick. That's thick thick that. is like fifteen. Thick <laughs> is my jam. I don't do this usually. Gets...
0: I don't know what it do it mean. Said what? You know what it is about? It's like those
1: those three songs. they are only like parts of them I like, and that's why like they're not my favorites. Okay, but like I like parts of them a lot. I love all of, but like the other song, but um. You know why I like Alien Superstar? It's the same way I like songs like Haunted and mm. like other things she's love done. Haunted. Where like it comes on, I love no and it feels completely new and different from what she's done before. Yeah, like a lot of songs, you're like, oh, this kind of reminds me of Blow, or this reminds me of something. And like when I heard Alien, Alien Superstar, I was just, Alien, like, you know, what I, I mean? was like, what is this bitch
0: doing today? When I and heard I like Alien, when I feel that. When I, like, I heard Alien Superstar today, I said, this is her Vogue, like that. When you hear that Vogue intro to Madonna's Vogue, mm-hmm. that it, like. Alien Superstar gives me like that level of just different and out mm-hmm. there and spacey. Um, it's out of but, it's out of this world. <laughs> but there's this guy who's going viral right now, or this person
4: that's going viral right now to um, America's Got a Problem, and it's like a little <laughs> shimmy. That video. Every time I see the video, I have to listen to the full
0: song, Jordan, because I'm just Jordan. They take me to a space. America. Has a problem <laughs> is my like what they what do they call like my dark horse? Like that's the song that I always listen to. Really love that mm-hmm. song so much. Oh, I love it too. I, I love am it. obsessed with it. America. Has a problem. I,
1: I would really never mind. The only
0: one. All right, which, <laughs> which the song that I would lose from the album is. In my head, all up in my, my head. All, all up in my mind. That yes. one, I just, oh, I, like I love that. that song. Yeah,
1: it's those three songs. Thick, all up in my mind, and and what's the one? America, just a, America, America has a problem. problem. I wish See, that's I wish, my jam. I, that's that's I, when I get lit. I don't, like, it, I I don't lit. like that section. <laughs> I, whi- that I wish that. No, no, no. You know not You don't know, be more fire. If it went from her chanting on heated to the beginning of pure honey. If it went from, okay. like Uncle Johnny had hey hey, my address to, the cunt, 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 cunt. Ah, th- that would be more fire than, <laughs> I got
0: to sit through. Well, you know what? It's getting thicker. Mother should have had us in the, suits, the studio. <laughs> we should have been no. on the team.
1: But no, like that's like me nitpicking a fucking amazing front to back. It's my favorite Beyonce album.
4: I mean yes. you love it. Yeah. And when you love it and you sit with it you listen to it 16 times a day. I to you, have, that you, album. Have, you have you have you have a journal. You have a journal of
0: ideas. America like you're, America you're has a problem. It's me. I am the America's problem. <laughs> I'm America's so problem. I'm so un-American. That's she, she <laughs> says un-American. So there was,
4: so there was a follow up to this question. Let's keep it brief because we do want to talk about something other than this is than the Beyonce mother. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> all right. So um One listener wanted to know if we thought that this album was an intentional attempt from Beyonce to sort of create some sort of unity between queer and heterosexual communities. Do we think that was sort of part of the process in creating this album? If we can just sit here and hypothesize for a second. Sure, I don't
1: know what those straight people are dealing with.
0: Yeah, my my hypothesis is that she wanted to have an album that people would consume together at one time and just have fun, let your hair down and dance. Mm And I should think she accomplished that. Yeah. yeah. Whoever wants to do
1: that, let let that wig down and dance. Yeah.
0: It's not it's not necessarily bridging no gaps between. But I mean, I think what it it does do is like you have the straight community, you have all communities that love this album mm-hmm. that are coming together to talk about what they love about the album. Or when a song comes on, the party goes up, and it doesn't matter who's in the crowd, everyone's dancing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that
4: the album for me felt a little bit too sort of bespoke to our community to feel like there was any sort of consideration for whether or not non-queer people would be open to it mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. It just felt very like with the samples that were being used, the Use sample the collaborators log, being included.
1: Use a sample with cunting in it. Like I, I can't imagine you think. Yeah. Spring it just, it, it in, felt like, like
4: <laughs> it felt like, you know, it felt like, we're 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 an audience we're a very real and and big audience of um and i'm I'm speaking of the queer community of beyonce. We're huge consumers of the music, and I felt like she wanted to pay homage oh, to nice. not only the community that you know supports her but also like family members mm-hmm. who um who are part of the community so honey
1: that stadium tour next summer
4: oh ciao. I'm going to have to go to that twice. Unless it comes up
1: there, cut to the feminine or what? You know <laughs> I'm ready. You know I got the, the,
4: ticket, the ticket. master tab open right now. She's
0: going to have it open for the next year. We're just waiting. Whenever whenever the, she's the key, ready, I'm is. ready. When you get the expensive seats, you don't really have to like go through all of the rigmarole. You just boom. <laughs> and that's it. Like I'm on the floor. Yeah. Bow. That's it. If she decides that she's not doing a stadium and she decides she's
4: doing she, something intimate or something crazy like that, that where we gotta bust intimate. into the, ball, that, the Roseland ballroom, we don't know. We don't know. Be what you're crazy, gonna dude. have to use our resources intact. I can't, to the I you know. can't, I can't predict this, you know? So <laughs> no, we, we gotta got prepare no for everything. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she's, doing, she's doing a residency in Vegas and we have to like be prepared. So, no, I don't know. But, I'm moving but, to Vegas um, for, for a month. All right, <laughs> so. So let's jump into some more questions from the listeners, and we kind of talked about this in the game, but a listener wants to know, and I, I'm assuming it's, b- it's because they've witnessed this from the episode, what happened to Tony in Berlin that had everyone <laughs> so weak?
0: What happened apparently to me? You
4: looked very, apparently, you looked very out of sorts in um, the <laughs> Berlin did, episode. I don't and think so I looked...
0: I don't think maybe, I looked out it, of source. Maybe it wasn't looked. Maybe we were <laughs> in the you fact. from home, bitch. I don't think I what looked, looked was out, was... out of source. <laughs> I was out of source. I don't think I looked we'll tell us, out of source. We'll, we'll tell, us, we'll tell us what happened. We'll tell us what happened. <laughs> well, this is the tea. And what I love is that this is kind of giving you like a behind the surface level <laughs> because the story behind is a key. So we, go, we went to Berlin and our north star our 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 source of truth was we wanted to go to bergine which is the party you can't go to berlin and not go to bergine and so oh i love that put that on a shirt (laughs) um and so the girls we had the night that we were going to bergine and for some reason the day leading up to that was a marathon that was the day of the rally Mm -hmm. and all of that good Mm -hmm. stuff and so I ended up like going home and passing out. Germany and
1: Germany's got a problem.
0: The, <laughs> Germany's got a problem. Germany. Germany. Germany
1: has a problem. <laughs> <And Tony>. so,
0: <laughs> so I woke up the next morning and Damon is like, oh, good girl, Bergan last night. I was like, Y'all went to Bergon. <laughs> I did not even know. I was like, y'all went to a party after all of that. They were like, yeah, we went at five okay. in the morning. For the record. And
1: so for the record, Damon went home at midnight to take a nap. Well, yeah. To to to, to get nap. some of the ghosts back into me. Yeah, you did. Because what I knew... I didn't take a nap. What I knew was that I was going to... <laughs> what I knew is I also... I did not go to Berlin to go to Soho House. <sighs> and I had to get up out of there, take my nap to go to
0: the real place. Yeah, yeah. And so, but you know what the thing is? Like... My good, good sis, Jordan, <laughs> she was like, no, girl, you have to go. We, mm-hmm. We're going back to Burkine. I don't care how you have to get in there. We're going to do it. And so I, we recorded that episode, and we're talking about Burkine, and I actually wasn't there, so you see me very quiet during that <laughs> section. <laughs> but I ended up going to Burkine after we recorded the episode, so I still had my Burkine mm-hmm. moment, and which was a, a legendary, iconic story. I have to tell you that about that in person. Can't, <laughs> I can't even speak about it because – in case I go back to In case are going to
1: get them back. They're going to be like, can you
4: get
0: it? No. Yeah. So that was the key. Like, I was not well, bitch. <laughs> not well. I mean,
4: I think that we were all holding on by a strand. I mean, I was looking back in the episode, and I was like, why didn't I take my club wristband off? I had my wristband <laughs> I saw off that. The I saw the episode. And I was just like, why didn't I take this off? We woke up out of sorts. I think we Both got up got amiss. pizza and was just like. We need to figure out what's going on. Well, we have work. to
0: record this episode. And it, y'all y'all were at well, was, was But like, it was so weird because I was okay. And, and then when we started recording, I started going down, like back into
3: the, it was the sunken
0: place. Yeah, I was sweating. So me <laughs> doing this and all that. It wasn't me fixing my ponytail. It was wiping the sweat that you can't really see on the video. But I was like, dewy, uh, uh, Moist. <laughs> I was moist. <laughs> no right. it was a, it was it was a good trip but we
4: were i tell everybody i said i think that i slept for 20 seconds while we were in berlin i don't remember sleeping <laughs> like i just felt like the days life was just coming out as fast like nine o'clock getting home from the parties seven o'clock getting home from the parties it was just yeah i was very happy to get back to new york and have a have a routine again
1: 100%. like the rest of the work week off too Yeah, you
4: did it right. That was smart. Mm -hmm. That was smart. I went back to work the next day. No, man. Um,
0: Kudos. Kudos.
4: No, it wasn't. It wasn't fun. All right. So switching gears. Someone put a question in here. (laughs) Uh, So who is the worst life partner that you've had in the past and why? And this Mm -hmm. could be, or actually it could be a life partner or a sexual partner, but what has been your worst experience? In the past, and why? Jordan, let's that start was with um, you. No, I think that you know I'm I'm
0: moderating this and making sure that we're we're keeping no no it no tight. no we can start with you. So, we're good, ah, right, Tony,
4: Tony? If you would like to start um, <laughs> two th- two, three votes. Wait,
0: is that I don't like this question. Is it just it's very broad? So I actually struggle with it because I don't the bad times, the bad sexual experiences. I don't really recall um, because there's not uh, been a ton of them. But also, I'm not. I don't even think about them. Like, girl, I don't have time to. I haven't had very traumatic experiences that I would say, like, oh, girl, like that was. I was, that was rock bottom. <laughs> mm. But when it comes to like life partners, if I have to go back through like the guys that I've, been, I've only had one, two, three. I'm on my in my third relationship, so I don't want to. None of them were worse. I, I learned something from all of them, and i've become more of that girl (laughs) (laughs) through each time i just take what i've learned and apply it like knowledge is power only if you use it and so i've used the knowledge that i've you know and the learnings that i've uh amassed to better fulfill my destiny going forward like i I struggle with this question i don't know Mm. damon yeah
1: um I think I've talked about, like, crazy experiences I had with partners on the show and how a relationship of mine became, like, abusive in some ways. Um, so, like, that was a very dark, dark place. Uh, on a lighter note, I don't know. I had a sexual experience with somebody. There was a lot of spit involved. And I was just like, oh my God. I woke up the next day. I was just like, is that a puddle on my couch? Chill. I was just like, this is velvet. I'm fucking love- my shit up.
0: <laughs> this is velvet. What is
1: that? And I'm just like, this is a very expensive couch. Um but luckily, I got it replaced. Uh, so that was wild, and it, it was actually a fun sexual experience. But the next day, you know, you wake up sometimes, you be like, "What did we, I do?" We were in the moment, and I needed to get out of that moment and have you stop fucking my couch up and get a fucking towel. What was all uh, the spit? Don't I, we talk about that offline?
4: <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> I'm very curious. I'm saying, stay curious.
1: <laughs> stay curious, Jordan.
4: Ugh. So when I seen this question, I was just like, I can't talk about either one of these situations. Here you go. Just because, you know, I just can't talk about these things. She's fixing her mouth um, to lie.
0: She fixing her mouth to tell go. us a lie.
4: No, I can, I can, she, I can she's give... She's Jackie listen, show. Listen, I've definitely had a worse, like, partner experience, um, which I will not talk about um, in detail on the podcast. Okay. Um, and then I also have, like, a bad sexual experience, which... I'll just call it the red
0: wedding. Um, oh my god! And shout if y'all don't watch Game of Thrones, go go look that up on YouTube and. But what I will say. <laughs> <and> gag.
4: <laughs> but what I will say is that um, if I can give sort of like an anecdote on what a worse partner is like for me, just generally speaking, putting out into the into the future because I am single. Um, I think it's someone who, um, gets really strange about like being supportive Hmm. about the things that I want to do in life and things that I want to accomplish. As soon as I get like a hunch that you are. Jealous. Trying to stifle that growth or trying to slow down that growth or trying to interfere with that growth, you have to go. Um, and so that's how I answer that question, but you know, this is surface level. Yeah. um and that was very kept surface. surface level i mean I think I, like <laughs> we'll some, I, I think I gave some you know some some something yeah. all right <laughs> <laughs> moving on to something that we probably want to talk a little bit more about so if the three of us were in a thruple what would be the <laughs> dynamics of the relationship and this person put examples like who would be in charge of the money? Who would be in charge of the dates? Or how would the dates go? How would things just go? And what would people's roles be? Who said we weren't in a threpple? That
1: part.
0: Well, that's <laughs> what I
4: wanted to know, too.
1: I'm just like, these are actually my fiancés.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Y'all didn't know. <laughs> you know, Daman has many rings. Show the rings, Daman. And a couple of those is me and Jordan. be somewhere in there. She's got... <laughs> <laughs> like Not the diamonds. Not the, <laughs> not the diamonds not the diamonds i don't know i think okay i i think jordan would do the household overhead management of the budgets yeah i think demond would do like Demond would do, be responsible of like certain dates that are like, oh, we're gonna do this really interesting thing. We're gonna mm-hmm. stuff that's like, we're gonna go to a museum, or we're gonna he's gonna do he's gonna curate something that's very special and thoughtful and thought out. Uh, Jordan, we're gonna do a really nice vacation and and really have awesome accommodations, amazing comedy, beautiful, beautiful accommodations, beautiful gowns the whole night, <laughs> and that's gonna be <laughs> dynamic and and just a luxury moment. And then sexually, I'm gonna I'm gonna me and Demond are gonna be Having sex because (laughs) Jordan's a vanilla switch. So I like I like a little bit more than just missionary and I want like I I get my life, honey. I got all this pent up energy. (laughs) So yeah, that's the 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 long story short, but I would love to have you oh and with my contribution. Um
1: (laughs) I think your contribution is like um what's spontaneity. Spontaneity. Yeah, like they're they're mm. child, you, cause I've been spicy fly. The girls would get stuck at at the domicile with me having yeah. a dinner every night. Yeah, and I think we'd be doing like stiff shit with Jordan. And I think Tony is like the one just like, let's go have some fun on a Wednesday night. But like, girl, child
4: <laughs> I I agree with that. Demond, think, any, any 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 texture to add there. I feel like I added my texture. I I mean
1: um, I throw, oh god. <laughs> I think oh Tony would also like help me and Jordan not kill each other. Oh okay, you, know, you girls be fighting. That's Boy, that's yeah. a big job. That's a that's big a, job. It's a heavy lift. Just <laughs> a heavy lift. Um, strong, strong back, strong, strong back. Tony,
0: back in the gym, chat
4: Um, t- Jordan, I don't know. Any? Do we miss anything? Um, you know, I definitely think that Damon would be like the chef. Yes. Um, I'm like not eating y'all food. Meals. I'm definitely not um, eating anything
1: you two prepare. Right, which is
4: <laughs> completely fine. Um, I think that I love the way that Tony cleans, so I think that Tony would definitely clean. <laughs> I'm a cook, I'm a clean. I'm then, not going cook, I'm just clean. Yeah,
0: you don't cook.
4: No, no, yeah. <laughs> I definitely, yeah. I prefer your cleaning over Demons, Bitch. Um, and... <laughs> and
1: you, <laughs> you need know... try some other bitch <laughs> I, see, we we we'll
0: just, we'll jump. just hire like a cleaning service once a quarter we can do that too mm-hmm. and then I would be I would
4: be responsible for Shout just a like, 30 really up a dates. week
1: to hire a bunch of things
4: <laughs> I, we actually <laughs> would be able to have like a lot of a lot of um, a lot of help and support so we could just like you know travel and do and do nice things y'all can have sex together and' i'll, I'll be oh, I'll be in the open relationship and I'll have sex with other people.
0: So. yeah and you yeah we, we I need you, you to great. like do the um production on our only fans because right yes i'll, I'll yeah. handle all the i'll handle all the marketing and the production yeah yes
1: right mm-hmm. it's just like love the, that she'd be having sex with other people me when she's actually in the gutter
0: in the gutter, <laughs> yeah. the, in
4: this the gutter. Wasn't, <laughs> people think because i'm a vanilla switch that that don't mean i'm not in the gutter i'm like i'm, she's in, a I'm in somebody's pattern. gutter Oh, <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> exactly. She's, She's a good <laughs> gutter butt <laughs>
1: And this Is the place of monkeypox <laughs> You say that one more damn time What you gonna do why bitch
4: are You gonna are you fight me stigmatize, Why are you trying to stigmatize monkeypox I'm starting to stigmatize you <laughs> <laughs> I'm a stigmatize Alright oh we're well, moving on And this is really interesting because This kind of came up in our Small talk discussion that we had Um uh, a few weeks ago, but what are your experiences with white queer folks?
0: Terrible. Um.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I I just think th- th- this is this is what I want to say. I, I think that the queer community has a lot of work to do with intersectional experiences with racism. Um, with the fetishization of black queer men. Uh, and there have been some um, bright spots, I would say. Uh, I've, I was in the New York City Gay Men's Chorus uh, for years and years. Uh, there were some bright spots in that. There were some terrible moments in that. I think that in the last couple of years, particularly during the, during the whole like racial reckoning uh, conversation there were a lot of feedback that i gave to that organization about how they could be better and how they could be more welcoming to people who were not white 300 people and maybe there were consistently 20 black people um so i think that there are so many resources and so many parts of our community that are not welcoming or have not always been open and giving to people who look like us uh and i would just like for there to be more inclusivity when we say the queer community because mm-hmm. right now if you said are you a part of the queer community i would always preface it with black queer community mm-hmm. that is where i feel welcome that is where i feel appreciated there's mm-hmm. where i feel loved um and there as we do this maybe there are more people that that um are we're becoming more op- that are becoming more open to us and our experiences and hearing us and hearing um what we experience and and how that is connected to white queer queer experiences, uh. But as of today, I I wouldn't say that that whole like Chelsea gay lens has a big impact on my life.
0: Um, yeah, I, I it's interesting because we do have a few uh Caucasian surface level insiders, and yeah. and one specifically had hit me up saying like I learned so much about yours. You guys' perspective from your show, and I love that. I love that mm-hmm. you know we get to offer, you know, just a little bit of some some insight. And for me, my experience with the like white queer community has really been centered around work, um, and yeah. you know, uh, coming in coming into contact with white queer men who just in the workplace and I've hung out with them in the workplace, out of the workplace. Like, they're all very different. Some get it and some don't. Mm -hmm. And the ones that get it, get it. And the ones that don't, don't. And I like the ones that get it. (laughs) Because they're just, they're cool and they ask the right questions and they're thoughtful about how they speak and say things around me, which is important. And I do have a relationship with, like, um, Chelsea because I... In my especially my younger years in New York City, like going downtown going to parties, really coming into like a circuit scene mm-hmm. uh I liked those parties and now like the black queer community is getting more into the circuit scene mm-hmm. and I love seeing that uh, but i but that's been my experience um and so i I don't have any close white queer friends um, but I know some white queer folks that are decent and some that are not not so much. Mm-hmm. Jordan? Yeah, I mean, when I saw
4: this question, I I didn't really have a whole bunch to add. I mean, I grew up in Trenton, New Jersey, which I I grew up in a predominantly black environment. I went to Howard, predominantly black, mostly black. Um, And it wasn't until I got to New York after graduating college where I actually started to experience probably for the very first time, um, white queer people or white queer men specifically. And I remember a very early experience, and I think I talked about this earlier in the, oh, in the series yeah, of the out. podcast with Demon, <laughs> where a colleague of mine invited me out with, um, it was a white colleague of mine. Um, he invited me out to hang out with his friends and go out to the club, and I invited Demon. And I guess the friend of my colleague came down and thought that we were grinder hookups. Because why else would we be black people sitting in that living room Mm -hmm. um, if we weren't there for a sexual responsibility? That's crazy. Um, And I thought that that was really fucking wild. (laughs) That was that was like my first. That was like actually I think that might have been my very first experience partying with white gay guys. Yeah, and so from
1: yeah, hmm? no, same, yeah,
4: yeah, and so from. From there, I was just like, you know, I don't really know. (laughs) I don't really know if I'm that enthusiastic about continuing to do this. And for me, it wasn't sort of like this thing like, oh, no, like, you know, the white gays don't like me. I actually love being around black gays. I actually love being around, you know, Latinx gays. Like, mm-hmm. I love being around people of color. Like, that's my culture growing up. So I'm not one of those people that spends a great deal of time thinking about how, in, like, inclusive mm-hmm. white queer people are being to me in queer spaces because I don't frequent those spaces that often. And when I do, I'm there with my community, my safe space. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. I don't I, – my, my experiences have been sort of limited to – Tony's point to work relationships. Um, I don't think I've built any sort of strong queer, white queer allies outside of people who I work with. Um, But it's also not (laughs) on my checklist of things to do either. So.
1: I I got enough to do too.
4: (laughs) <laughs> it's it's actually fine. <laughs> like, I, have time. I, love, I, love, I love my girls. I love my mm-hmm. girls up in Harlem, uptown. Like I, you know, this is this is my life, and I don't feel like I'm missing out by not going to Rebar in Chelsea. Yeah, which was awful when I went there last week. Yeah. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is like that cat video. That cat now cat gagging. Well, the cat, yeah, the, the, I'm, the, I'm, I'm gagging. The cat saying I'm gagging.
4: all right um so moving on so what are some what are your boundaries between friendships and relationships so this question is kind of broad but what i take from it is like do you have any boundaries between friendships becoming relationships or vice versa that's what I took from it. I don't wait, know wait, wait, if you guys wait, interpreted the something question, else.
0: The question says what now? What are the boundaries between? What are your boundaries between friendship and oh, relationship? Okay. I can go first. Yeah, go to mine.
1: I don't have any. I'm done. <laughs> I know. Like, he's not He's not done though. He, he I am he, done. He has, he has a philosophy.
0: No, either. Either. I right. know. I think that if anybody's <laughs> listening to the
1: show, they know my philosophy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Relationships <laughs> can evolve.
1: <laughs> Doesn't matter. Like all those lines can be crossed and there are no rules in life. Oh. Uh, beginning, like, I don't have anything else to say. They're, like,
0: why why do people keep asking us this? <laughs> why, do, why do we keep getting this question? I'm tired of the question. Tony? Yeah, I, um, for me, I definitely, there are boundaries. Like, I have experienced uh, being in a relationship where I felt like the friends got, like, is the word encroached? Like, where it's just, like, kind of felt like they were getting too familiar with my man my man my man and also i don't i i like a separation a little bit when it comes to certain conversations that you have when you're around your girls i just didn't feel comfortable maybe i wasn't further along enough in the relationship to feel comfortable with my friends just being who we are in the same space as the person i was in a new relationship with at the time yeah. I think now that changes the further you get more comfortable but like, like don't bring at anybody time, around time I was just like this uh uh-uh. uh cause the girls start saying things and it's giving like then questions start being asked and it's like wait we ain't even there yet you, like I think that was what bothered me was just like no and then sometimes friends just do cross the line a bit where it's just like girl learn your place earn your spot Oh. <laughs> period
4: I, I love that line that has never left me since since I heard that back in Anthony Woodburn years ago <laughs> it was like 2012 <laughs> I was just like oh I love that yeah keep it in the mental
0: yeah
4: um yeah I mean I have I have boundaries too and I think that's because I don't know how this is going to sound when I say it but I think that I currently present day, I think that I value friendships more than relationships. For I haven't taken a a moment to really investigate why, but I put a lot more and invest a lot more in my friendships than I do in relationships. And so for me, I think it's more difficult for me to compromise friendships for relationships, which I don't prioritize as much or don't Sort of engage with in the same way, and so for me that's a that's a that's a boundary for me. If you're a really really good friend, I have to really think ho- long and hard of whether or not I want to move that into a relationship space because there's this fear that if the relationship doesn't work out, then everything is gone mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I have that. I have that boundary with um, with friends. So yeah. if you're a friend, um, you probably have a higher spot in my life than, <laughs> than um, you know, a relationship. Not to say that I can't change. We're all getting more mature and values and goals and things like that are changing. But I think up to now, that's sort of how I've been prioritizing them.
0: Cool. Um, spontaneous moment. Since the girls mm. coined me as that one earlier, I have a question that comes from one of our surface level insiders from DC. His name is Angel, um, and I didn't include this in our question list, but I want to make sure that we ask this because sneaky, sneaky. Jordan's about, Jordan about the malfunction. It's important, and he's he's he's. We have a D.C. community that loves us. So let's just make this one quick. But which personal struggle in life has taught you the most about yourself? And in what way did it inspire the greatest change? This is a question for all of us. It didn't fit in the black box, so I forgot to send it to Damon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll read it again. Which personal struggle in life has taught you the most about yourself? And in what way did it inspire the greatest change?
1: Um, you know, I think that my ideas about relationships have changed a lot um and and i think that previously my relationships were my idea of what relationships should be were centered on like what i view from my parents um and what i viewed from like the longevity of people i knew and just this idea of um it's hard you gotta fight for love and all this shit um, and, and I think that that got me into a place where I, I lost a lot of who I was, uh, it got me into a place where I was accepting things that were not in line with like how I wanted to live my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think I did a lot of work to kind of unlearn that and understand that like relationships can be dynamic, they can be for a season. You can learn different things from different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, en- you and you should always engage them. And and I think to the previous question, this is one of the one of the main reasons why I say that like I don't have this major delineation between like friendships or relationships is because like I'm evaluating each person for who they are, and in this moment that we are existing in together, mm-hmm. and that can be romantic, that can be familial, that can be. Uh, just friendly and and so on or all those things can kind of cross over and converge in a way that it doesn't fall into any of those categories yeah and I think that as long as I remain honest about who I am and I remain open to understanding who that person is without expectation about what we should or should not be it's all fine and that was uh, something very, very hard f- for me to learn just because I grew up in a place where I-, I-, I thought I knew one thing about like what relationships were, but like it just became, and I-, I always say this, it's much more, people are much more complex than we give them credit for. So that's
0: what I would say. Love that. See, this was a good question. So that's why I like threw it in there. Um, <laughs> for me, what personal struggle? I, w- I would say it was... When, you know, finding out my status being HIV positive um, and navigating that alone for so many years, for like 10 years before I really talked about it publicly, having this podcast as a platform. And by the way, I, if you are new to the show, you can go back to season two and listen to um, Undetectable. Undetectable. And that was something that I struggled with, that I would constantly be in a back and forth about telling people in my life what was going on and that I was going through this. Um, And I struggled and then I overcame and was living with it and living healthily with it. And I started to slowly let people in Mm -hmm. Um, and then having being able to just share that story publicly on this platform just showed I learned how resilient i am and how i you know one monkey don't stop no show (laughs) and so we we balance life we you know god doesn't put anything before us that we're not prepared to handle or ready to handle and i think that i didn't know i could handle so much i didn't Mm -hmm. know that i could navigate what i navigated and persevere and still be successful and still be that girl and i'm really grateful to like we didn't know we were going to have a fucking podcast like Mm -hmm. but the podcast opened up my world Mm -hmm. it allowed me and it allows us to share things that we normally don't talk about i was just telling someone from season one to now like there's a level of openness that we've all been but that's grown exponentially and we've realized that the power of sharing, the power of vulnerability and authenticity is such a great power. And it's one that heavy is the head that wears the crown that a lot, you know, we want to encourage people to also have that heavy head that wears the crown. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's thanks for that question. Angel Jordan.
4: Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to have to agree with Damon. I think that, um, felt relationship was probably the biggest um personal lesson for me i think that in one particular relationship i invested a lot of my own self-worth and the validation of my partner and i felt like i don't know it was one of those things where i felt like i was a very confident person i felt like i you know had my things together i had a lot to offer but it it, it didn't matter if the person wasn't telling me that things were good and that I was doing well and that things were going good for me. And when that sort of support started to slip away, I really felt like I got into a place where I was like a dark place. And um, I talk about this like earlier in the episode where I say that like it's a, it's a no-go for me if I'm in a relationship with somebody who's not supportive. And it's because I feel like I'm still working through trying to figure out, like, how to not depend so much on what other people think of me. I think that when it's people who are close relationships, I'm hypersensitive to it. And it's a really difficult challenge for me to, like, actually just not care. For some people, it comes very easily. Um, Some people don't think about it. Some people never think about it. That's not how I was. That's not how I was raised. I was raised to sort of impress people around me since growing up and sort of earning my keep, if you will, as being like little gay boy that nobody wanted to have, you know, be the gay boy that was around. So um, I think that, I think that that felt relationship and um, me sort of coming to terms that what i thought was going to be something that I needed to have forever needed to end and taking the time to actually just be with myself and work on myself. And it's been a slow process, but I felt like that was a, I don't know, it was just like a, it was a, it was a big lesson learned to, for, and it it impact a lot of different things in my life in terms of how I move with regards to how I show up, if I'm over-guessing myself, having that mental dialogue with myself, like, why are you doing this? Why do you care so much what this person is thinking about you? Like, you're you're putting too much power into this other person. Um, A lot of those things really helped me to sort of, like, move my life into a different direction. I also started talking to, like, a therapist around that same time as well. So... Yeah, I think that relationships is crazy, which is why I prioritize friendships. (laughs) (laughs) Because relationships are a lot to fucking think about. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so. Well, thank you for the for the curveball. I think that was nice. That was a nice touch. <laughs> back to your. Regular... I wasn't. I wasn't. Pre- I wasn't prepared for that.
0: So if I was ramb- rambling, <laughs> forgive me. Back but to, I was like, not. Listen. Back to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have two more questions left before we wrap
4: up um the season. But how has your friendship grown since the beginning of
0: your podcast journey? Oh, that's a nice one. I I I feel like. It's grown exponentially. To be honest,
1: yeah. I think the word's evolved.
0: Evolved is a good is a good thing. Yeah, because yeah. the relationship, the friendship, is still the friendship. The friendship's the friendship. It's I, been an evolution.
1: Yeah, I think you learn new things about people. You experience uh, new things uh, with one another. We we just did this episode about friendship and trials and things that we've experienced. Just because it, it's not always sunshine and hey everybody welcome to surface level no like because we're real people we go through real shit um and and just for me the value of figuring out how to navigate those things in the midst of like what is essentially a business Mm -hmm. around it is complex yeah um it makes us learn each other and know things about each other in ways that are very different than if we were just chatting in my your or jordan's living room the way we used to and yeah
0: yeah i mean they got to learn a lot about that and we can't be friends too <laughs> um you know our last episode and so for me it's it's become more of a sacred circle like mm-hmm. when people say sacred circle like i really do feel that this is that mm-hmm. if i had to if, if sacred circle were a three people (laughs) in a a friendship it's us and i love that we've been able to evolve and get to a place where we've just grown even more cozy with ourselves with each other and we we know the the ticks that tick us off and Mm -hmm. we know the things that will make us feel seen and special and we we do all those things you know we're Mm -hmm. it's, it's a brotherhood it's a sisterhood it's a personhood, uh, (laughs) it's a a theyhood, and it's a really beautiful butterfly, you know, like, when you think of going from the cocoon to, like, just evolving into this, that's what I think about, like, seeing Mm -hmm. that happen with our our friendship, it's really been... (laughs) I don't know a better woman. <laughs> gave Oprah. I don't. I don't know a better woman. I don't know a better woman. Yeah, and that's what Oprah must have felt in that moment. You mm-hmm. guys got to Google this interview where Oprah talks about Gail, because you have to tell your friends that you love them, that you respect them, that you appreciate them, and you can't take each other for granted. Um, but, you got to yeah. tell
1: your friends when they're trash too.
0: And you got to tell them when they're and, trash. And, and, part like, of it. And,
1: and that whole spectrum of experience, I think, is the thing that I come back to and like that is valuable with the three of us. Mm-hmm. I think that when, even when we are furious with one another, and there have been moments where we have been over the past few years, yeah, I don't think that we've ever stopped trying to get back to a place where we were not. Yeah. Where we love, don't eat one another. And like that and like we talked about this in the past episode and, and Jordan, we can let you chime in, in a second. But just what it when Jordan and I had our had a sit down, I guess at the beginning of this season, we were just like I'm tired. That I don't I don't want to be this person. I want to get back into a place where like I don't have we don't not I we don't have this like negativity towards one another. And I think that the, the feeling of wanting to get back to that place is the thing that we keep at the center of our friendship, of the work we do together, and so on.
0: Mm-hmm. Jordan?
4: Yeah, I mean, our friendship has obviously <laughs> grown <laughs> a lot. I think that we went from being just natural, organic friends from early 20s, um, even before that, Uh, for Damon and I, but I think that the podcast has allowed us to add this extra layer Mm -hmm. to our, to our friendship where we are owning a business and we are running a business because we don't just, we don't just show up to the podcast studio and just talk in front of these microphones. It's, you know, coordinating guests, it's figuring out the branding, figuring out the social media, who's posting what, what day, who's managing the, the, you know, all of these other elements to make sure that we're actually able to like produce it on time. And whenever you're working with people, you have, you encounter different work styles. And I think that we've had to figure out what the balance is between friendship and business partner, you know, Berlin. Yeah, that was, that was a great episode, but that wasn't something that we just sort of like, happily walked into Mm -hmm. we had to have a full conversation about that because our trips in the past have been exclusively just for us as friends this is the first time where we had to record for four hours a day and it was just kind of like wait a minute (laughs) something (laughs) that used to be just sort of like a tradition of our friendship is now becoming something that's like work Mm -hmm. and i think that we're all sort of figuring out each other and work environments. And then I think beyond the work thing, I think another reason why I think the friendship is evolving is because the conversations that we're having on here, I don't think that 100% of the conversations that we're having on this podcast, we would have had if we didn't develop these episodes. Mm -hmm. Meaning when we would normally sit around and have wine and chit chat and catch up on each other's lives, I don't know that the range and our of our discussions will be as broad as it was when we're actually sitting down and saying okay we have a responsibility to this community we need to talk about this we need to talk about this we need to talk about this and in a lot of these episodes i'm learning new things about tony and Damon. and sometimes we're sharing things that we hadn't shared before with one another and the fact that we have this forum to sort of this set forum to come together and share our perspectives and share our thoughts and share our vulnerabilities like it makes me feel even closer so then when we do have these blow up moments which are inevitable it's like it's fine because then there'll be another week where they'll be like i'll be like oh my goodness you guys like i don't know how how people felt about me saying something in this comment or in this in this in this clip, I feel like it's problematic. And Demond's like, "You want me to fight somebody?" And I'm just like, <laughs> "That is my fucking friend." And it's just like, mm-hmm. you, the it blends together, and it's really beautiful. It's definitely a challenge if you're looking to go into business with your friends. Think long and hard about whether or not <laughs> you think that you could actually like do it. I think that we're very lucky as a group of three that everyone takes this seriously and is invested in it and we're all aligned with the overall mission and and the purpose of surface level. So like I tell people all the time, there is no weak link in surface level. We all show up and we're all present. And so I think that it's been really, really, really healthy, even with sort of, you know, any sort of snafus along the way.
1: Mm -hmm. It's like, everybody can sing lead now.
4: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we have this final question, which I think is a beautiful way to end this episode. So um, what's a dream that scares you for the future of surface level? So when you're thinking about like surface level and what it could be in the future, is there anything that gives you sort of like... You tense up a little bit. And you're just like, ah, I don't.
0: I'll go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I have thoughts with their merit that's the, marinating right They're up marinating. in here. It's like, uh huh. <laughs> yeah,
1: under your wig, under my wig. All right. Um, I, I I think for me, it's always about keeping the purity of what the thing was or is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always been thoughtful conversations between three people who have a relationship with one another that in some way we can find that is valuable to us, but also we can um, hopefully not not teach but like share something valuable to other people in their journey and and as we like this season we like and nico came in our show and like it was the first time we had like a major celebrity or someone that was like on like a a, a show that's on a major network and all yeah. these things and and for me nico was phenomenal mm-hmm. i loved the work that he does as an actor i loved oh. listening to him as a person and listening to him as a person was the reason that I wanted or like that I enjoyed having him on our show and sharing his experience with our listeners. Mm-hmm. And for me, keeping that purity, no matter if it's the three of us, if it's us and maybe some educator or if it's us and Beyonce, like for me, the, the value of it being. Remaining pure and, and true to the message with which we set out for it to be is the thing that I never want to get lost. And the thing that, like, can be lost sometimes when you think about celebrities or how you can expand or how you can reach more people. Like, sometimes somebody crazy could could, could come about and you'd be like, well, this could be a moment for us. But, like, that is the thing that sometimes I, I find um joy and apprehension. Mm -hmm. Like as more people discover us, as more people find the things we talk about to be interesting, as more people want to be a part of it, what, how do we stay true to like what we set out to do? And I always go back to if we can do something valuable that helps one person. And for me, that, that is the, the litmus test for whatever we talk about on our own for whatever whomever we have on our show, for whatever partnerships that we uh, take on, um, is it furthering us reaching one more person somewhere that we may or may not know? And that that's how I think about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I want to take the question and flip it on its head mm-hmm. because it's not a dream, it's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare that you know the very thing we built as friends would be the very thing that tears us apart. Mm. That's a nightmare, and that is one that I that we've experienced and we've talked about, and that scares me. Why am I gonna I'm getting emotional just uh-huh. thinking about.
1: I ain't got no tissue.
0: Just thinking about starting something so special and so pure, and that being something that could tear us apart. Cause I would never want that. Mm. And now I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> Come on. That, um,
0: yeah, I, I can't. I just wouldn't yeah. I just I I I love you guys and I would never want to jeopardize having the friendship that we have. Mm-hmm. To just have something that is being well received to the public, mm-hmm. and everyone wants us to keep going, and and are encouraging us, and I love that, but I to what end? And to me, it would the the end would never be us not actually being our authentic selves and the friendship that we have going back to when we first as a trio started hanging out, you know, ten years 11 years ago and i have vivid memories of those times and all the times leading up to like this moment that i just would hate for it to be squandered because of something trivial Mm -hmm. and so my my dream would be that we continue to do things as we have in a way that we respect each other and honor each other and continue to put each other's best interest at heart. Mm. And so that looks that's what success looks like for 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 me and for us to see each other be able to grow and expand and all rise up as boss bitches <laughs> together. <laughs> And we're back. And we're back. Jordan?
4: Um, I think the thing that makes me um, nervous or keeps me up at night is that we've built this show around sharing our thoughts, whether popular or unpopular or work in progress ideas. And I think that it's served us well, because I think that these conversations are very important for the community. Um, But a worry of mine is that if and when the podcast becomes um, more far reaching, where more people are looking at it, could what we say and how we're presenting our ideas come back to bite us in the ass? And, I just think that when I look at sort of how opinions are sort of received and digested and interpreted on the internet and outside in the outside world, I feel like there's very little tolerance for answers that aren't exactly the way that somebody wants them to be communicated. And, um, part of me worries about, <laughs> you know, having these conversations that could be potentially sensitive, saying something that may be off-putting to a certain group, and then it affecting other aspects of our lives negatively. And I think that that's, that's, that's pretty much, that's not the only concern I worry a lot, but like, it's, it's something that's definitely been on my mind where it's like, I love that we can come here and say that, you know, we know a lot, but we don't know it all. And that we can come here and give our point of view present day and share what we think about these situations impacting our community. But I just get worried <laughs> about if there is ever a moment where something is interpreted the wrong way or something that, or, or, or idea of thought progresses years down the road, and then someone looks back at an episode and say, "Well, you said this, and so you
0: deserve zilch." Um I think look, that, I sort s- of, I, that sort of that sort of concerns uh, me. I think between, that's the that's the risk we take. Yeah, and it's and I feel like we're getting into good trouble.
1: Good trouble. I also think that between. You being a bitch that can write a PR statement and me being a bitch that will cuss anybody out and stand by what we're doing, (laughs) we will be totally the fuck fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Wrap it up, bitch.
4: (laughs) Thank you. And on that note, that's all the time that we have this season. We would like to thank Impulse United, and droplet for their partnership and helping us grow this podcast and this show in ways that we could not have imagined our community of fearless listeners and supporters who donated to um, to our fundraiser to the ali forney center and our amazing guests for sharing their stories if you'd enjoyed this episode or this season overall please let's keep the conversation going let us know your questions at surfacelevelpodcast.com and for the last time this season stay
0: curious